0: Wrestling podcast. The it out.
1: Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, out there in the B plus land. It is me, the one they call the B plus man of mystery. How we all doing? Welcome to the Impact Zone. The wrestling segment where we cover all the news in the land of Impact Wrestling. This one, definitely we are with a little bit of a twist. So what happened last week and this week, tapings can throw everything or every which way. So this is the final, final taping of Impact in Mexico that we are reviewing this week that got released only a couple days ago at the time I'm recording. But also, we had AAA invade new york now for this uh for that big event that big house show at madison square garden a lot of impact wrestlers were a part of that a lot of impact wrestlers uh i'm part of the roster some of them are champions and impact wrestling were promoting that on their on their weekly tv show for the past few weeks so i thought add a little bit of extra spice to this episode of The Impact. So not only will I be covering the latest episode of Impact Wrestling, but I'm going to be covering a bit of AAA. Now, am I a adept person in the land of Lucha Libre? Unfortunately, I'm not. Unfortunately, we had Big Boy Mikey for that, and unfortunately, he's no longer with us. So I'm not taking his job. I am not going to start reviewing Lucha Libre, unfortunately. But I do want to cover this because i watched this entire AAA invade new york event i watched this last taping of impact wrestling in mexico and it was a nice little culmination thing but it was very therapeutic because because this episode heavily relied on the fact that lax this was their final for Real-Z's, uh match in impact wrestling and then it was a nice little moment where they were actually on the triple a card because they are so it was nice, There's a, the, uh, watching this as a collective thing is important to talk about. And yeah, after being after losing their careers in the tag title, this career match a couple weeks ago to the North, they get one big final climactic showdown for Impact Wrestling in the main event, which I was hoping they would get against Rich Swann and Willie Mack. And then we watched them later on in Lucha Libre facing off against the Lucha Brothers. A lot of things to unpack here. I'm probably going to be revolving around LAX a lot because guess what? They were revolving around this entire episode of Impact Wrestling constantly. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but I just mean like they were just cramming it in your face. It's like, don't forget, LAX are leaving Oh, oh, don't forget, you got to stick around because Alexa's last match is happening. I don't blame Impact for doing that. It's just, yeah, you didn't want to end on a downer, but they kept throwing it in your face. But I will cover as best I can all the goings-on in the land of Impact Wrestling. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, let's get started. For the final taping, we opened with a big eight-man tag team match, or eight... Person, because we do have a lady in here. So we have the team of OVE going up against Tessa Blanchard and Team ECW. Tommy Dreamer, RVD, and Rhino. No disqualifications, no countouts, anything goes. Four on four street fight. Now, the thing with Impact Wrestling as of late, and I noticed this with the AAA event as well, I'll probably touch on it later, they add. These extra, like, oh, it's a no DQ match, oh, so it's a hardcore match, and I don't know if it was. It's they don't add anything, which is is sad. Like you would think that adding that stipulation, things would get a little bit more violent, a little bit more ruthless, and this is meant to be a big culmination to a feud that has been going on far longer than it should have, far far longer than it should have, but. With Brian Cage being injured and on the road to recovery, seemingly back to normal now, which I'll be touching on as well, which I'm not very happy to talk about. Yeah, it's weird. So like, we've had had the street fight last week, and there was no, and I'm not expecting like blood every single time I see a street fight, but just the levels of violence. Like last week, the street fight, they they had a kendo stick. They had a couple, like, bat spots. I mean, they didn't really add anything. And this one is no different. If you, hadn't to- if you hadn't told me that this was a street fight, I wouldn't have believed you, like, except for one segment where Tessa Blanchard gets out a kendo stick. It's very weird. Like, And you would think with Team ECW, the, the guys who you rely on for the imagery of keeping that bloody name of ECW alive just let it die folks just let it die but no this is very weird end to this saga that is OVE Sammy Callahan versus Tessa Blanchard um I don't think it's done I if we're done for Mexico which is always a good thing but like in terms of like the ECW guys with their feud with OVE, but I don't see Tessa done here. Now I'm I'm I apologize if I'm going in circles, ladies and gentlemen. But I'll go through it as best I can. So you had Tommy Dreamer hit Fulton with a cutter. Fulton lifting Jake off the top rope to the floor. Like basically OVD OVE did a lot of the brunt work here because Team ECW, a lot of late 40 year old men. You had Tommy Dreamer, bless his heart, he did a top rope spot which call it a top rope spot but he just kind of flopped from the top rope onto everyone who caught him and then you just had Don Callis go oh my god but that that's the extent of Don Callis's commentary I've noticed as of late just he wants you to really wants you to really get behind someone oh my god (laughs) that's it's kind of stuck in my head so that I needed to get that out there but yeah Tessa was on fire in this entire thing the stand out as she should have been. Everyone had kind of dived onto the outside at one stage, except for Tessa, and Sammy was getting ready to look like do a dive as well, but she was right behind him, and she yelled some expletives in Espanol that the commentary team didn't want to repeat to us, people who do not speak Spanish, and just straight away took out Sammy with a cutter. Uh, you had Dave cut her off and hit her with a suplex when she tried to do some other outside stuff then you had like there's a lot of back and forth you had rhino connect with a spine buster on callahan like tessa took Fulton off his feet with a big tornado ddt i didn't think that they'd actually touch base on that how last week she stood toe to toe with madman kind of kicked him down to size and then nothing really came of it but now yeah tessa is man enough to knock down the monster madman Fulton. She is all that and more. And it shows you, again, intergender wrestling isn't done anytime soon. Which I was also was curious about. Especially with for Glory being just over a month away now. Less than a month away. God, it's just getting... It's really creeping up there. It's I'm really excited. I'm really excited. The matches we've got so far, it's going to be amazing. So about three quarters of the way in. After Fulton, it looked like he was setting up for an electric chair or something, but then he got Jake Jake did his big super cutter off of Madman Fulton and commentary were just saying that how she's like nine, ten feet in the air, which is like yeah, it looked like a really beautiful spot. I thought for the life of me that Jake was gonna turn it into like some kind of splash or to doomsday device, but they turned it into a big super cutter. Really great spot. Tommy introduced weapons about three quarters of the way in. So again, street fight, no disqualification. there's bad blood there. No one thought to add weapons until like the very end and they didn't even use them well. So you had Rhino, Gord, Jake through a table in the corner after Sammy tried to do it. Like there was a couple of groin core spots, which Tommy and Sammy have done agnosium for several, several weeks now. But you had, so after Reiner Gore Jake, it was followed up by a frog splash from RVD. Tessa locked in a submission on Jake Christ with the Kendo stick assisting, forcing him to submit. So, your winners by submission, Team ECW with Tessa Blanchard. So, they finally, finally got their revenge. And I, I'm glad that Tessa was the one to do it. It makes sense. I think that now she's got a direction and that direction is still the title pitch still kind of OVE. I'll touch on this a bit, bit more but essentially I I think that it's going to happen she's going to go after the exhibition title they're going to they saw all the publicity all the great PR about oh like, can she finally do it can we have a first women's world champion and they've kind of copped out they kind of copped out I think And I I honestly think Bound for Glory, she's going to get that X-Division title because because we had the announcement recently that there's going to be a big five-way ladder match for the X-Division Championship. There's going to be some qualifying matches. And sure enough, the first qualifying match is Dave Christ versus Tessa Blanchard. Hmm. I wonder who's going to win that one. Uh, that's, I'm going to love watching that next week. So that's the start of the Las Vegas tapings, which are going to happen very, very soon. Look forward to that one. So that kind of capped off OVE not ending. I'm, it won't damage them too much just so long as like, they're going to just destroy Brian Cage's wedding next week. It's going to happen. That's, that's how they're going to get their heat back. That's going to have, that's how they're going to get everything together again they're just gonna have to ruin a wedding and i can't wait to see how over just ruin a wedding backstage you had ace austin he's in a wheelchair he's got an arm brace got a neck brace any kind of brace you can think of he's probably got it on just to fake his injuries after being sent to hospital but yeah he he's just at the back and He's saying that he wanted to be there for Alicia for her big match. So, as I mentioned last week when I was doing the big catch-up, they had said that, oh, you've got a match ready. Like, this you got got to prepare for your match. This was that match that they were saying, but they announced it a week, a couple of weeks earlier than they should have. Weird taping logic. I only caught up with it just now. But, yeah, and again, it's a segment with Alicia Edwards. Yeah, I guess... Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah, you're right. But okay, okay. That that's the extent of her acting. That's the extent of this story. There's there's no like, there's no bit of like, oh, I, I appreciate who's a friend and all. Like, I, I kind of like Eddie. Like he's my husband. Like, none of that. Just like, yeah, I guess. Weird stuff. Weird stuff. So <laughs> you're gonna have, yeah, Ace Austin. Being there to support Alicia against her match against the Knockouts champion, Tyre Valkyrie. Very, very interesting there. We had a little segment with Jimmy Jacobs interviewing the North once again. They are in party hats. I never knew I needed to see the North in party hats. They are trying to celebrate the fact that LAX are having their final match in Impact Wrestling and like they're getting <laughs> Ethan Page is dead set to make it a big celebration he's got a piñata he's got streamers he's making sure everyone blows on the little whistles like the the birthday whistles I'm sure there's a term for them but it's escaping me right now and he's trying to say it's like Josh Alexander, look that's his happy face he's just like frowning and Josh Alexander's just saying like yeah this is my happy face but I don't like the hat and he's like this is a party and they puts a hat birthday hat on jimmy jacobs and you know they could have been celebrating the north like they could have been celebrating the loss of lax from impact wrestling but they're also probably celebrating uh all ego ethan page turning 30 so i mentioned this on the flagship show which you guys should definitely check out shameless plug there big happy birthday to you half of the north long may they reign so they, they go around throughout the episode trying to find people to celebrate the fact that LAX are leaving. And you would think they would find a few people to celebrate with, but I will touch on that soon. We had a non-title match, for those of you who are unsure, Taya Valkyrie with Johnny Bravo versus Alicia Edwards. So yeah, Ace Austin is being brought down to ringside in a wheelchair. And I thought, for the life of me, so the he has some kind of male nurse uh, like said guiding him to the ring. I thought it was going to be Eddie Edwards. I thought like it was the perfect opportunity yet last week. Eddie's just lost everything and he's going to pretend to be a nurse to walk Eddie, I walk Ace out. And then the moment he pretends, he stops pretending Eddie Edwards takes off the surgical mask Boom, it was him all along. He can claim his rights. Some weird thing like that didn't end up happening. It was just some random nurse that they, guy that got pretended pretend to be a random nurse. Very bizarre. Like, this is the way they shot it as well. Don't quite know what was happening there. In terms of the match itself, uh, Alicia took control in the early goings with a lot of running strikes. Very tiny lady going up against Tayaloka. Alicia hit a flat liner, but Bravo pulled her off from the pinfall on the off chance that she was going to actually miraculously defeat the knockouts champion. But the fact that Johnny Bravo kind of inserted himself, Ace Austin's just like, oh, hell no. He just gets miraculously gets up out of the wheelchair, attacks Johnny Bravo. And on the YouTube channel, when they showed the clip for this, they make it seem like Ace Austin was the reason that this whole thing happened, that he distracted Alicia or that he distracted Taya he was not even involved in this, but the very suggested title implies that he involved himself, but all this happened while the ladies did not see any of this. Uh, so after Alicia gets back up, she gets quickly set back down again with Taya Valkyrie hitting the road to Valhalla to once again emerge victorious. Uh, after that, you had Ace Austin pretend to get up once again and just fall on his face, and then the nurse came back out and just like, I need someone for my friend. Just get the nurse back out to just guide him back out of the ring. I I enjoyed this match, for what it was. I, I do have... I will take umbrage to the fact that Don Callis on commentary in this storyline is being absolute idiot. Because on the one, he's trying to be a... Heel commentator, in that he's condoning Ace Austin wanting to sleep with Eddie Edwards' wife, right? And he's kind of pretending that Ace Austin's injuries are legitimate. And then you had that segment where he miraculously got up and attacked Johnny Bravo. And then he's just like, "He's a piece of garbage." I agree with you. He's a piece of garbage. And then he's just all of a, then the moment he's back in the wheelchair, he's just like, "I like this kid." You know, he knows what he wants. And I'm pretty sure he is sick. Miraculous that he got out of there. Like, oh, someone sent him to a hospital. He's He can't have it both ways. He either knows what Ace Austin's doing or he's playing into the bullshit. And playing into the bullshit, or well, he knows what he's doing and he disapproves. He's trying to have it both ways. It's not working. But yeah, Don Callis, you were... You weren't that great this week. Oh my God. I'm going to keep pointing that out. He was not great this week, but uh, after that whole segment, so you had the North, they're in party mode. They're trying to find people to recruit for their Fiesta to farewell LAX. They find a couple of random backstage personnel and they put whistles in their mouth. And Josh Alexander is going to start punching people in the gut to make sure they start blowing them. Then they encounter the team of RVD and Rhino, and they think that they don't know how to have fun because they did not want to do anything with the (laughs) piñata. RVD was down to party, apparently, but Rhino wasn't in the mood. He just tore up the piñata, caused the North to flee, just cause, and RVD afterwards just like, why so mad, bro? And Rhino's just saying, like, I just wanted to eat the candy. and <laughs> just like, beautiful. I'm I'm not doing it justice, but it was beautiful comedic timing there from RVD and Rhino. I actually quite enjoyed that. And I can see them being a makeshift tag team moving forward. So the state of the tag team division in Impact Wrestling needs to have a little bit more spice. Especially now that LAX are gone. And you think about the teams that are there now. You've got the Deaners, the Desi Hit Squad, you've got the North, the Champions, you've got the Rascals, you've got Willie Max and Rich Swan. Adding those guys in the mix as well will help out a lot in that regard. I do see them. Pr- it's probably in RVD's contract that he's going to win a title in this run. And I imagine a title that he hasn't won yet, tag team titles. Uh, I, I feel sad for Rhino since he's he's left WWE after his last big run was with Heath Slater for the tag titles and that he had a, his match with Michael Elgin and now he might be back to being just a tag team wrestler again. But mm, at least he's wrestling. At least he's wrestling. And you know what? It probably could be something good for both of them in the long run so you know what i will hold off my judgment but so for now let's just enjoy the fact that we have rbd and rhino backstage and we have the north as tag team champions leading the division of impact wrestling we had the next match mahabali shira accompanied by rohit raju and raj singh and gama singh defeating cody dina accompanied by cousin jake now, I love this match. Very much love this match, because, and especially the introduction. So Mahabali, it looked like the Desi Hit Squad were going to walk him to the ring, but Mahabali, he kind of sat down for a bit. He kneeled down for a bit. Then he pushed the Desi Hit Squad out of the way and just like, Bitch, you guys are behind me. I am leading this operation. And definitely, definitely is. It kind of confirmed what I kind of thought last week that they are treating the Impact Plus specials like they're non-canon. So you you had <laughs> Brian Cage come back last week. You had a lot the Rosemary, Tire Valkyrie storyline, which was not referenced in here. Thank God. That, that seems like that was, hopefully, just for that. Yeah, a lot of non-canon stuff. So we're gonna forget that Brian Cage pinned mahabali we're gonna skip all that the fact that brian cage is back we're gonna we're gonna put that that to the side the match itself yeah this was just straight up mahabali destroying the absolute crap out of Cody dina um big choke slam then he he kind of took his time just to savor the moment and then when that didn't look like it was going to work he did the world's strongest slam Yeah, very, very quick Squatch. Next week, we're going to see Cody, uh, Cousin Jake, trying to fight for his cousin's honor against Mahabali. So the two big boys are going to collide. Yeah, commentary that we're really, really putting over Mahabali Shira. So you know that this is a good thing moving forward. You know definitely that they are dead set on making him like this big enforcer brute of a presence and they're treating the dizzy hit squad seriously can you imagine saying that like a few weeks ago with the dina segments at the dina compound they're actually gonna dare i say treat them seriously whether i'm trying to think like what he would do he he'd have to go for the world title there's no putting him in the X Division title pitcher. There's that you can't have that, especially with the big boy. Not to say that you kinda big boys in that title pitcher because Brian Cage. Um I just don't see it. I really don't. And you need if you wanna make the Desi Hit Squad, if God forbid, if you're gonna actually give them a push, you would have Mahabali as the world champion and Desi Hit Squad at the tag team champions. That seems to be what they're gonna do eventually down the line, but for right now, big squash of the Dina's that storyline might go to Bound for Glory still. I'm I'm trying to think what else they can do. Um, they, they could do a six-man tag, and then the Deaners the, the have to find some other person to help them out. It's like an, a mystery partner. But they've already got uh, Dr. Wagner, his six-man tag at Bound for Glory. He has two mystery partners, so I don't know if they want to have two matches on the card where mystery partners are involved, kind of sketchy. Gets into fantasy booking, and I'm not going to do that. So that's kind of where they get up to for that segment there. So after Shearer one, we had another another match. We had the Rascals versus the makeshift team of Ares, Toxin, and Australian Suicide. Not a lot of people talk about him. Like he's just one of those guys crushing into Mexico. Um, we need to get him on the show at some point. We do. Like, we need to try and reach out somewhere because the dude has been in that scene for, God, it feels like a couple years at least. Uh, he's just been quietly just putting people on notice. Uh, this wasn't the chance for him to do that. So I mean, his uh, Impact Wrestling debut, which we should probably talk about next. Aussie Graps, just a brief mention. Uh, but this was the Rascals essentially. This was their get my shit in match and this was their validation after months and months and months of jobbing. This was their match just to put all their moves out there, completely destroy Australian Suicide, resin and Toxin and just get a win after I don't know how long. It's been ages, goddamn ages. Like to start the match, all three members of the Rascals landed triple moonsaults onto their opponents. Right, they went for triple dives. You had you had some spots. They had some splashes. Australian suicide. Like he did, like a flip off the top rope on flip off moonsault onto the outside. So they they, they did do some things, but it wasn't enough for them to say. Like it was a hard fought contest because the rascals. This was just them. This was just them showing off. It, it honestly was, and commentary just picking up the fact that they reckon Trey is like natural born leader. They reckon he's one of the best high flyers in Impact Wrestling roster. They're talking about Wentz having the the background in mixed martial arts with the bloodsport and Dez like. They're just talking about him being just like a very versatile, more grounded member of the Rascals, which I don't personally agree with. I think he's more of a, as good high flyer as Trey, but yeah, that's semantics. Point being, yeah, everything the Rascals does, everything the Rascals usually do, everything worked in this match, and sure enough, uh, Wentz did his big time knee. He did the meteora. Dez lifted Wentz, who then flipped and landed right on Suicide. They go for the count and win the match. So, Australian Suicide took the pin. You poor bastard. In his Impact Wrestling debut, the winners, the rascals. They need to keep these guys looking like a potential threat for Dr. Wagner and the two mystery opponents. Mm, I, I set the Lucha Brothers last week, and that was just me fantasy booking, but I have no idea who they could get. For bountiful Glory. I'm hoping we get some nice little hints dropped. In the next few weeks. So outside in Mexico City. We cut to Moose. The uh, most dangerous man in impact wrestling. According to him. He's just walking around in the mean streets of Mexico. Looking for a fight. He's just proving how bad he is. In this. Like very. Highly edited. Televised. Segment that Moose is such a dangerous man, most dangerous man in the world, just beating up random people in the street. Just a couple of like random bystanders. He just picks a fight. They just happen to be around the corner. Silly promo. Nothing I wouldn't expect from coming from Moose. But yeah, it shows you that they're trying to make it serious with Moose. They're trying to make it seem like this big confrontation between him and ken shamrock which it is which it definitely is i don't know if like they'll do because i imagine they're gonna build up to this some more like another i don't see this happening next week but i think maybe like in i'm gonna say three weeks because they need at least one match to show that ken shamrock it could be just a quick squash to show that ken shamrock still got it like, we know he's still got it. If you're a fan of Australian wrestling, like we know he's still got it. But just to remind people in Impact Wrestling that he's still got everything and more, the godfather of TNA, they're probably gonna have him do one squash match and then Moose versus like they're gonna have to build to that. I'm forgetting that it's it's happening at Bound for Glory. I'm forgetting that. But they're gonna have to do some matches in the next few weeks, some to help build up to this feud. So, yeah, until then, I'm enjoying the ride. Next, you had Jimmy Jacobs sit down with Tennille Dashwood in a pre show interview kind of setup. She's discussing her long history she's had with Tyre Valkyrie. So, apparently, fun bit of trivia Tyre Valkyrie's first ever match in wrestling was against Tennille. And apparently, she came off the winner of that exchange, which is very interesting. Uh, or was it like Tania? was, it was her very first match was against Taya. I, I believe the latter actually, but she's saying that she's on the same level as Taya Valkyrie. And after being, after years of not being noticed, hashtag you're going to notice us. And that was a nice little jab at WWE for the, her stagnating in the women's division there. Just like, I'm going to say that flat out, which I don't think many people can deny. So after stagnating, like she's making sure that everything is all about her. And goddamn right, girl. Go and get it. Absolutely loving the work there. She had a great match against Kira Hogan last week. She's going to have a match against Madison Rain next week. Yeah, expect nothing but great things. Going to build up. Hope she's undefeated until she faces Taya Valkyrie. And you know what? I reckon she does deserve the title. She deserves to have that big burst of energy and what a story it would be what a story it would be for her just to have that title and just to prove that yeah everything is all about her we have the next segment which is the no disqualification match so the build-up to the no dq match the war between jessica havoc and Sue young I did not expect half the shit these ladies did. And I was thinking, like, how can they top Monsters Ball? Did this top Monsters Ball? No, but there was some very creative spots that they did involving staple guns to the vagina. And I just, I cringed so hard. And, like, I've I've never seen that done. I never thought anyone (laughs) would actually allow staple spots to the vagina and th- it happened like maybe i'm not seeing enough hardcore matches with women to see that staple gun spot but jesus christ that and all the there were so many staple gun spots it was amazing it was amazing it was disgusting like it's hard to describe half the shit they did right the moment the bell rung like Havoc even attacked Sue young before she even started her en- finished her entrance proper. Right. Sue young did old, sc- attempted to go old school on the barricades, but she took too long allowing havoc to drop her, drop her on the steel barricade. Havoc was just draped over the roads. Sue took advantage with the pedigree, which I thought was very nifty. Uh, so yeah, as I mentioned, the, the stable gun spots, Sue then cannonball off the apron, crashing into havoc on the floor. She put on the bloody gloves. She was ready to do the mandible claw, but Havoc fought her off with a series of kicks. Then she landed the tombstone piledriver. Quick win for Havoc. So again, nose qualification match. Aside from the staple gun spots, this match you could afford me that it was no DQ. You could afford me um, if they didn't have the staple spot to the VJJ. Yeah. I would have thought it was just an ordinary match between two Supernatural ladies. But I didn't have to... And I and I worry with that kind of thing with the Supernatural characters. Didn't have to worry for long. So it's as if the match didn't mean anything. Sue immediately gets onto her feet and just keeps attacking Havoc. And then they fight through the curtain to the backstage area. They have a edited uh, promo... As if they're still fighting, they're going up a flight of stairs. They're just beating the crap out of each other. Very lucha underground esque. I quite liked it. It was pretty cool. And then Havoc just somehow finds a rope and proceeds to hang Soo Young from a staircase. So she hangs Su Young. There's a bunch of impact staff at the bottom of the stairs, and then she kind of lets go. We don't. The camera doesn't show you that she drops it just shows you that yeah. havoc let go of the rope and she just laughs maniacally so yeah she kind of killed su young i mean su young was already undead i will i will touch on that in the may i'll touch that to close off <laughs> this episode of impact wrestling and of course next week we have the marriage the wedding between Brian Cage and Santos, again, wrestling wedding style, and they have their respective bachelorette and bachelor parties in here. So you have. So we'll start with the bachelorette party because that's the more entertaining one. So it's just a bunch. It's the entire knockouts division all drinking wine, and my first my first thought was just the amount of people that are, that melissa santos invited like she invited all the heels like the people that do not give a shit about her and who've been bullying her like she invited Tyre valkyrie Tyre has been just belittling and like trying to bully melissa santos for ages and all of a sudden she's just at the bachelorette party like show some storyline and and also this kind of annoyed me they didn't focus on her but havoc was there havoc was there without the makeup just as if she's just one of the girls right well she is one of the girls but one of the girls there to celebrate the bachelor party but like the the protection of the supernatural characters guys like impact wrestling what are you doing like that's not Ah, uh, it was very disappointing. To, and I'm glad they didn't, didn't focus on it. Just It was a little shot, a little shot of Havoc there. Very stupid. The You had a toast to Melissa Santos because it was Tyre, toasting Tyre. And then a cop comes and the cop turns out to be Joey Ryan, who is pretending to be a stripper even though he pretty much is a walking stripper But nevertheless, uh, no ordinary cop. And you would think like a bunch of wrestlers at a bachelorette party watching a person like they know is Joey Ryan do all these things. It's just like, is it, like they see that shit all the time, but they're making it seem like, oh, he's just some random stripper, but we know he's not, (laughs) but it was, it was fine. It was fun to see Joey Ryan. It was fun. Um, Yeah after what was that uh, what was that bad pay-per-view they did it wasn't rebellion um united we stand united we stand where he faced off against uh Tessa Blanchard that was his last time in impact wrestling so it was it was fun to see him i I would love to see him back in impact wrestling i I would if he's not going to be doing WWE or AEW he's fine doing like going around the indie scene that's fine but, man, a lot of wrestlers do Impact Wrestling and can still do all the indie shit they want to do. Go back to Impact for a while, bro. Come on. I need the dong style of my life. That, that That's just me. So, meanwhile, while the ladies are partying with Joey Ryan, Brian Cage, uh, he is saying that he's going to cheat like he's never cheated before. Everyone's going to be cheating in his wedding, in his bachelor party. Right? He's talking to Tommy Dreamer, and rich one. Very reasonable bachelor party. Just a couple guys. He's just and he just all of a sudden he's talking about cheating, and you kind of know where this is going. If you know the machine, Brian Cage, uh, there wasn't it. We just have Brian Cage cheating on his diet with just a mountain of donuts. He's just goddamn. And when I say he's cheating, and there's no fake eating here. The dude was cheating on camera on his diet. Just gorging himself <laughs> and I love the I love the fake out by Tommy Dream and Rich Swan kind of talking to each other as if he's cheating like like on his wife and they're just watching him have sex. They are pretending that they're watching him have sex and he's just and Tommy Dream is just like this is kind of turning me on man. And Rich Swan is just like, oh my god, this is disgusting and then just sure enough we cut to him, he, Brian Cage eating donuts. Ah, you wild man, Brian Cage, you, I'm sure, I can't imagine what his actual bachelor party or whatever would have been like uh, if he just did the same thing, but you know what, seeing him cheat on his diet, just good for you, Cage, good for you. Uh, The Dreamer and Swan took a couple donuts for the road when they realized that there was going to be no um, real cheating going on except, except for the food. Yeah, it was fun. I can't say who partied more because Brian Cage is probably going to up, wake, wake up from a food coma. And he's just going to be like, Ugh, worth it. Worth it. All the donuts. All the donuts. We had a promo from the legendary King of Swing, Johnny Swinger, who will be making his debut next week. That should be the main event of that segment. Forget the wedding. Forget the exhibition contendership. Forget Mahabali, freaking main event, Johnny Swinger, book at Impact Wrestling, book at Don Callis. Woo! <laughs> I love this guy. I love this guy so much. He's Just these stupid promos are amazing. Like, I'm surprised that Impact Wrestling aren't showing his corny promos, right? And he's just saying, this is my prized possession, my 80s car. Got to listen to some Def Leppard. Listen to some, like, Kiss. Listen to some Poison. I love this guy. So good. Uh And, yeah, so after, so, gratefully, after the Johnny Swinger promo, we cut to the final match, the final, final match, LAX versus Rich Swan and Willie Mack. And throughout this episode, I should mention, they showed some highlights from LAX's career from... Their first first winning the tag team championship to the feud with the OGs to their barbed wire massacre with OVE. Um, they didn't show Full Metal Mayhem, which I'm really surprised they should have done that as well, just to remind people that they went to war with the Lucha Brothers. Uh, this I I mentioned last week, right? They had uh the LAX's match with the North. It was just them kind of half assing it, which is still a great match but I I wasn't what I thought would be like a goat ending for them but and yeah I was right because yeah you had the introduction for these guys at the start usually have a big recap of everything going on from last week but it was just the introduction for this episode was just three minutes of voiceover talking about the exploits of LAX and how they're the longest reigning tag team champions they've won them they're four-time tag team champions they've done all in impact wrestling and now it's time for their final match fight that's pretty much the entire throughout the entire episode this match i love this it wasn't as high flying as i thought it would be it was very methodical and i respect the crap out of that towards like towards the end that's when the gears kind of ramped up and I'm glad for that. But I was, I thought like at first I was thinking like, Oh no, they're, they're not going to give them what they want. Like they're not going to give, give the LAX a great send off. But this was just no joke. 20 minute main event. They knew exactly what they were doing. They knew exactly how to send off LAX on a high they didn't win the match though, spoilers, Exa- exactly as I said you had. It just was just to show how Willie Mack and Rich Swann are going to be the next tag team champions, calling it now. But we started out with Santana locked in an armbar, like a lot of like technical wrestling to start it off with. Swan kind of fired up with a lot of right-hand shots. Goed over; He went over to tag the Mack Return of the Mac. Um, both Santana and Ortiz went for double drop kicks onto Mac. Ortiz got tagged in. Like right? Mac did a big shoulder drive and the standing moonsault. A lot of stuff before the commercial break. So there were quite a few commercial breaks throughout this entire thing. Um, pretty much like you had LAX. They were going to do two power bonds of the Swan. Max came back. Mac came back into the ring with a powerful clothesline, knocking out Ortiz swan on the second rope landed a six star frog splash onto santana then you had swan and mac do a lot of double back kicks like i'm not doing it justice i'm really not everyone needs to see this because it was an amazing send-off and you wouldn't think of LAX as high flyers like they are very capable wrestlers they are those high flying guys but they're a lot more brawler, a lot more ground for pound. And this match definitely exemplified that and it showed the best of everybody. Absolutely loved it. You had Swan, he did a whole bunch of, he did his um, lethal injection, like handspring cutter. Mac followed up with his stunner. Swan came off the top rope with his Phoenix splash and then Mac landed a six star frog splash. They go to cover Santana, and that's how they win. So decisively, decisively defeat LAX, which veterans going out on their back made all the sense in the world. Afterwards, now, enjoyed the moment, nitpicking slightly. Nitpicking slightly. So post-match, the entire Impact Wrestling roster, all the faces come out to hug lax and to say goodbye everyone's on their feet everyone's clapping everyone's cheering great moments like the crowd were the unanimously behind lax loved it like for that moment like for them getting the heroes farewell they like, make make your teary eye inside but my thing that kind of ruined it for me when the person who came out with all the faces fucking eddie edwards What are you doing there? Right? You're completely derailing your storyline with Ace Austin. Like, they just, it's one of those things, like, they promise, like, they seem to promise us that he's going to snap. They promised us he's going to snap. Didn't happen. Hasn't happened. Might not even happen now. And they're probably going to retcon this and make us for, try and forget the fact that he was there to help send off LAX. And granted, like they're, they're probably like part of the roster. They're probably his friends. But like Jesus, dude, you need to pick your battles and not... They could have like, could done a backstage segment, or like, like just on Impact, like on the website, something, not have him actually come out to the ring. Didn't make sense. Don't like it for that storyline. A small blip in an otherwise great send-off for LAX. Everyone needs to watch it. We ended on a very bizarre note. So we didn't end on LAX. We ended on a promo in a hospital. Sue Young is flatlining. The doctor's trying to perform CPR on her. Nothing seems to work. The medical staff walk away after trying. They believe that she's officially dead after they leave. <gasps> soo young comes back to life uh and just to let you guys know as well soo young's social media accounts yeah she had social media as the undead bride but they've all now gone what does this mean what does this mean like i mean is she reanimated did she die can she die she's the undead bride like, what is life in the Impact Wrestling roster? What is life when you have the undead realm in Impact Wrestling? These big theological, philosophical questions. I, I did have it commit murder, or did she just uh, help Soo Young ascend to a higher plane of existence? Is she now a zombie? I don't know. I will hurt my brain if I think about this. But there was a very um. Very weird end to Impact Wrestling. Highly enjoyable. Highly enjoyable episode of Impact Wrestling. I love the fact that they had the OV match at the start. They had as I wanted it to be. I wanted you have Big main event devoted to LAX, to Willie Mac to Rich Swan. I thought that was fantastic. You've got the, the war between Sue Young and Havoc. That's far from over, clearly that it, it's got some time to just simmer down until bound for glory. So they did the right call in killing. You guys can't see my quote fingers, but killing off Su young. I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised in all my hesitations from the last few weeks. This is what impact wrestling does. Ladies and gentlemen, it's like you, you have your head scratching moments and they kind of, they, they don't forget. They don't wreck, they don't forget they don't drop certain things sometimes they do but like nine times out of ten they address all these things and more right which is a lot more than what wwe can say about certain storylines just gonna leave that hanging there but before i get into the other thing i wanted to talk to you guys about which was triple a invading new york how about we cut to greg
0: with our sponsors Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey guys, just a reminder, if you want to hear all of these wonderful B-Plus podcast episodes completely ad-free, make sure you head over to Patreon or Podbean, where we are the featured podcast this week. You can subscribe for as little as a dollar a month, up to $10 a month. Where. Anything you want to help us with, it really helps out. It's going to help us grow the site. It's going to help us redesign some things. And everything that we get through this and through the advertising as well is all going straight back into the podcast so that we can get Aussie Graps out there for the rest of the world to hear about, for the rest of the world to see, so we can grow this mission of watch global, support local, and build indie wrestling. So if you want to be a part of that and get some really cool rewards like call-in shows, bonus episodes, ad-free like I mentioned, then head over to patreon.com slash the B plus and subscribe today. Hey everyone, just want to take a second to tell you about one of our new sponsors, Outbreak Nutrition. Outbreak Nutrition are creating supplements for survival, sharper minds, quicker reflexes, all the energy you need to take your performance to the next level, whether that be on the field, in the gym. On the gaming field, that's right, they have specifically designed gaming supplements as well to help you focus on those late night sessions. They even sell coffee, you guys, at Outbreak Nutrition. You can get coffee pods, you can get coffee beans, you can get supplements for the bedroom as well if you want to enhance your performance there. These are performance enhancing supplements for every aspect of your life, specifically designed by gamers for gamers to stay fit and healthy in the gym, to stay sharp and focused on the game and to dominate in all areas of life so check out outbreaknutrition.com and for being a listener of our podcast they will give you 10% off your order when you enter the code B plus that is B P L U S at checkout so make sure if you want to stay on top of your game if you want to take your performance to the next level outbreaknutrition.com enter the code B plus at checkout and we're back, guys,
1: ladies and gentlemen, for Loco Polucha Libre. I am kidding. We are here to cover AAA invading New York, Madison Square Garden. This was fun. This was fun. I did not expect such a highly entertaining show from a AAA, like this collaboration event. Like, it was not what I expected. Uh, I, I'll say this flat out. So they're at Madison Square Garden, the Hulu Theater. Like, The production looked fantastic. The matches, the card itself was wonderful. I will highlight this is a house show. This was a glorified house show. But do I mind? Not in the slightest. I thought that what they did was wonderful. They had some very big moments on the card. We had a title change hands. You had some great representation for Impact Wrestling, which is what I wanted and which is why I reviewed which is why I'm reviewing this for you guys. And I wanted to talk about Kane Velasquez, two-time USC world champion. We kind of touched on this on the flagship show, but I kind of wanted to leave it all to here because I wanted to see his US debut. And you have to expect. So AAA has two relationships in America. They have a relationship with Impact Wrestling and they have a relationship with AEW. Now... I can totally see Kane Velasquez appearing on either Impact Wrestling or, or Elite Wrestling in a few months' time. A surprise, like if if they're gonna have Brock Lesnar, probably ninety nine hundred percent sure gonna defeat Kofi Kingston on the uh, the first episode of SmackDown on Fox. He's probably gonna be the WWE champion again. His first match on wwe tv in over 15 years can you imagine but if you're going to have him on regular tv you bet your ass i can see aw bringing in kane Velasquez, the guy who defeated brock lesnar for the usc world title can you imagine that that extra bit for the wednesday night wars ah oh, ah oh, fantasy booking to the highest degree but i could see impact wrestling again bringing kane Velasquez there who would he face? He'd have to face one of the big boys like Mahabali, like Brian Cage, Killer Cross. If he if he's able to come back and sort out his shit with the with his contract, a lot of lot of possibilities. I'm I'm losing my thread of thought here, but as for this whole event as well, this was just a lot of fun. Uh, you had Kane Velasquez' US debut, as I mentioned. We had the Lucha Brothers defend the World Tag Team Titles. You had a lot of other AAA talent, a lot of Impact Wrestling talent. We opened up with Hugo Savonich and Matt Stryker calling the action for the commentary side. You had Melissa Santos and another Mexican announcer whose name escapes me at this time. We do apologize. But they were hyping up the crowd. It was very game show-esque and very house show-esque. They were just... Every five seconds, like they're hyping up the crowd and trying to remind them that this is a big deal because it was a big deal. And we started out so Melissa Santos is the English ring announcer for this entire event. We and we started out with Mascarita Dorada, aka Mascarina Sagrata of Lucha Underground fame, and El Torito for you WWE fans. He teamed up with the Dirty Daddy Chris Dickinson to face off against and defeat dave the clown and demus this was a wonderful opener that connected really well with the crowd they loved dorada and i was worried that it would be a lot of strong man defeating the little guy uh the momentum kind of picking it up but man Masquerita was on fire dude like and i was thinking like chris dickinson would take a lot of the work but Jesus Christ, Masquerita, so many arm drags, so many, like, outsmarting of Demus and Dave the Clown. Did not expect it at all. Vastly different show to what they what I would have expected from that kind of confrontation. Gonna sh- put a little bit of an MVP nod to Chris Dickinson. So, like... 24 hours different. So Chris Dickinson, the dirty daddy did the triple a show and then did the blood sports show the day prior Two vastly different styles, pull them off really, really well. And also it was great to research the dirty daddy because he's going to be appearing in Australia. His big debut is November 30th. Cannot wait to meet him. is like going to tear the roof off the place here in Australia. But a lot of Dave vs Goliath spots, as you can expect with Dave the Clown. As I mentioned, like the match built to a lot of high spots at the end. Dorada got the got to do the shine. He did an amazing series of tilter whirls before cradling Demus. Just the cradle. Just the cradle. But there were so many flips and tilter whirls that it was enough for him to get the pin. Amazing. Amazing work there by Mascarita, by Chris Dickinson. You have the next match: Team Impact, Joss Alexander, Michael Elgin, and Sammy Callahan defeat the team Triple A, Murder Clown, Drago, and Fabi Apache, aka Lady Apache, um, the lady who trained Nicole Savoy. Wonderful, wonderful woman, a very decorated women's wrestler. Team Impact will really worked really well here, and. I, I never really noticed this, but Josh Alexander and Michael Elgin kind of got very similar ring gear, and they look like—forget like, Ethan Page—they look like they had been a well-oiled tag team for years. I—I I don't know how. Like, I think it's just to down to the fact that Josh Alexander is such an accomplished tag team wrestler, and the fact that Michael Elgin—you throw him into any match and he just adapts, like he's he, like pr- most people probably won't appreciate him for that won't like won't recognize him for that but dude Michael Elgin is like one of the best things in impact wrestling going right now very underrated um probably like very different like, if you meet the guy in person probably very different but you know what in terms of his wrestling ability man like he's on fire dude uh, started out with a wild brawl Uh, Every time you need someone to stop Fabio Apache from getting offense, Sammy. Sammy's there just to be the absolute dick, the intergender wrestling asshole. That was his entire contribution to this entire segment, this entire match. Uh, You had Murder Clown kind of clean the house off a hot tag. The Technios rallied for a triple near fall, right? You had the Rudos cut them off, like, it was wonderful. It was absolutely wonderful. And I was thinking that, oh, Team Impact, this is AAA. They're going to lose the match. But nope. Team Impact got the win after a lot of high spots. And Murder Clown, like, popping the crowd, doing a topic on Giro to the outside, like the cannonball over the top rope. Loved it. Elgin cut off Clown and powerbombed them for the pinfall. Just a powerbomb. Like, just a buckle bomb. Like, yeah, straight up that's how they won and afterwards they just kicked um they kicked oh, i can't remember it was drago they kicked drago in the nuts they just did a post-match kicking the dick afterwards just to prove that they're just despicable people and sammy is just being Sammy. sammy's being sammy <laughs> you had daga defeat puma king flamita and aerostar in a four-way match uh, this would determine the number one contender for the AAA Cruiserweight Championship, which I believe is held by Laredo Kidd at the moment. Uh, yeah, it was, it's weird. I loved seeing some of these guys, not only just because from a Lucha Underground, but also MLW. Just I, I never realized just how many stars they've brought over that the Western audiences are slowly starting to get familiar with. Yeah. And I could... Oh, shit, I... Uh, you have MLW like they've got the partnership with the crash, but maybe they, oh, could they bring over Velasquez? I'm I'm getting on lost train of thought here. But yeah, Daga pinned Puma King in this high flying spectacle, ton of high flying. Like uh, was not expecting so many high spots. You really lost track of it. Everyone got their shit in. Everyone got their shit in. Aristar flew around like a wild man. Didn't do anything too crazy, which is, he kind of grounded a lot of the high flying, which is saying something because there was so much shit going on. Uh, you had Puma King fought from underneath it all, but Daga ultimately delivered a J-Driller for the pinfall. This match injured me. So the next match we had for the Reyna de Reinas Championship, the champion Tessa Blanchard faced off against Loca, Tyre Valkyrie. One of the longest reigning uh, Renadrenas champions that they've ever had, and I'm surprised that she was in this picture at all. Like after the weird circumstances where she lost the belt at one stage, the fact that she's in here, but the weird fact as well, Valkyrie's face in AAA. I wasn't expecting that. I thought it'd be a big flip, like how it would be exactly like in Impact Wrestling that she is the heel, but she came out with some flowers in her hair. Her mum was in attendance. Her first trainer is in attendance. They were saying on commentary. And these ladies like Taya pinned Blanchard after the road for Valhalla. Like this was a really, really good match. Tessa did so many drop kicks, like teasing the shit out of Taya, which kind of was a prelude to what happened next. So when the match, when they won, when Taya became a three time, Rana Duranas champion she's now s- soon to be I- I'll say like I'll go with the, what she's saying in impact wrestling right now the longest reigning knockouts champion in impact wrestling history we'll give that to her technically for now but she's a dual champion she's now the Rana Duran's champion as well uh, she hugs Tessa but Tessa went full heel attacked her in a post-match beatdown it felt like an old school NWA title match, except it was just full of like a bunch of new age high spots. Tessa's too good, man. Like she's crushing it in the intergender stuff right now, but it's just a reminder that if she was in the knockouts title picture right now, man, she would be just destroying that division. Yes, she lost here, but distance makes the heart grow fonder. And I can imagine just when she comes back, after maybe winning the X-Vision title, probably winning the X-Vision title, just the matches you're going to have with the other women's wrestlers, Jordan Grace, Taya Valkyrie, Neil Dashwood, Madison Rain. God. list goes on and on and on. Absolutely love it. Uh, This match, really enjoyed it, especially after watching Impact Wrestling. The Lucha Brothers, Pentagon and Phoenix, defeated LAX, Santana and Ortiz, to retain their tag team titles. As if there was any doubt, uh, the MVP of this match, Phoenix, unsurprisingly, he looks even slimmer than he usually does, like in AEW. I, uh, it's not full metal mayhem, but these next, pretty much next to that, these guys, they, it was hard to keep up with it all, but uh <laughs> i love the ending so phoenix he put on the mexican flag flipped into a Tope con giro to the outside to get rid of ortiz pentagon then covers santana for the package pile driver just that double team they do where phoenix does a suicide dive like but he, he did the tope con giro loved it loved it loved it the lucha brothers still the AAA world tag team champions the match that i wanted to see which is why i'm reviewing this Cain Velasquez, accompanied by Psycho Clown and Brian Cage, defeat the team of Los Mercenarios, Texano Jr., Torus and Rey Escorpion. Velasquez here did a lethal injection. That's how he won the match. He defeated Torus by doing a lethal injection. Two-time UFC world champion. Able to do that granted it was a um it was a kind of a very slow lethal injection he didn't get all of it properly but kenny Velasquez seems to have adapted really really well to the style of lucha libre i'm very very surprised like he he does his mma spots but he's got plenty of lucha knowledge now Like a lot of it a lot of it doesn't look that polished yet, but you can attribute that to one his inexperience and to his size. It's it's he goes for head scissors. He does a bunch of flips. He does a bunch of like dives. Hasn't quite gotten used to his body yet as a luchador, which is kind of weird to say. Um, but you know what. He's pulling it off, so it's a it's their the clunky luchador moves mixed with MMA spots. Dude's crushing it though, absolutely crushing it. Uh, He squared off from with Torres right from the start. Both of them would go on to be the two involved in the finish. The, 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 this trios match, which is the last minute, no DQ. Um. It just it didn't mean anything. This was no DQ match. If you told me that beforehand, wouldn't have believed you because nothing really happened except for the fact that the Rudos got to use, um, got the cheat a little bit. They didn't really get to do much. But it, it kind of worked out that Velasquez was in for about three minutes tagging Brian Cage, who is seemingly fine. Just, he just putting that out there. Like, Mr. Six Weeks Until Road to Recovery For Bound for Glory I see what you're doing Asshole (laughs) But yeah Velasquez Three minutes Brian Cage Three minutes Psycho Clown Three minutes Back to Velasquez Three minutes They just It was very systematic How they Protected each other Uh, Everyone got their stuff in Um, Velasquez Cleaned house When Escorpio Like he, he regrouped for a tilt-a-whirl, right? And then he did, as I mentioned, the handspring into the cutter onto Torus. There was a big ceremony. This, apparently this was on Mexican Independence Day. Um, and yeah, Mexico celebrated it. Like, I don't know if it was on that day or it was meant to be the day after, but they got some embassy officials there. Big moment, big, wonderful, luchador-esque theme thing. And I honestly thought that the Velasquez match should have been the main event, but for history and for like the big moment, they had Dr. Wagner Jr. Defeat blue demon Jr. Uh, very slow match that kind of built to demon doing a suicide dive through the ropes, set up a big heat spot as demon bank began working on Wagner. Uh, Wagner, he got the comeback when he ripped his mask off, which, like, he lost his mask a while ago. And it was a very weird finish. Like, uh, Wagner, he kept daring Dimon to hit him. And once he unmasked, he fired up with a burning lariat for a near fall. And then Dimon did a flying crossbody, but Wagner just used the momentum and just got the pinfall. That was it. I, I was... And it wasn't, it's just like, he was just screaming at him while he did the cross, while he got cross-bodied. Oh, very bizarre, very bizarre. And this is just Lucha Libre, probably just not used to watching it all. So that might be just a regular spot. I just thought, yeah, very bizarre. Afterwards, the Impact wrestlers ran in after a match to attack Wagner. Then the AAA roster poured into the ring to chase them off. The Triple A team stood tall over Impact after a short brawl. You had Wagner cut a promo, like where he's just thanking everyone in attendance, thanking Lucha Libre, and you had like Cain Velasquez came out and, ca- and caught Callahan in a cross arm breaker. This match, like in terms of match quality, this was great. There was not much that was like pr- overall bad. Like it's just the overall usual triple a shit hitting every which way just fun and i and again it felt like more of a house show than a pay-per-view which was fine i kind of knew i was expecting that especially with impact wrestling promoting the event i kind of knew what i was in for most of the matches kind of felt thrown together for the sake of filling out the card but you know what it was just fun like you had mascarita match you had the lucha brothers match you had the Red of Championship match. I loved it. I loved it. And I love the involvement that Impact Wrestling had with this overall event because it made it just that extra little bit special. And I think it was a nice little end to the week that was Impact Wrestling's involvement in the wrestling world this week. So that's it for me, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for listening to me to Ramble about Impact Wrestling and AAA for your 70 odd minutes that I've been on thank you very much for your time I will leave you there and I bid you adieu if you want to follow me on all the socials I'm at Messy Mysterious with 107i on Facebook Instagram Twitter YouTube and Grapple hit me up let me know what you thought about the AAA Invading New York special and the final taping of Impact Wrestling let me know what you thought about just the career of Santana and Ortiz as a whole what you hope for them at AEW just everything you hope for them moving forward in the future and how TNA Impact will succeed moving forward. If you want to follow us here collectively at the B, we are at the B Wrestling on Twitter because Wrestling wouldn't fit, and the B Wrestling everywhere else. Remember, guys, we have our Patreon. Any amount, no joke, any amount would be greatly appreciated so we can keep giving you all what you want, when you want, showcasing the very, very best of Australian wrestling keeping you up to date on all the wrestling news from around the globe. Like, share, subscribe, hit that five star review. I've been Mr. Mysterious for the Impact Zone, and I'll see you later.